comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Facebook, no Twitter, no smartphones, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Episode 41, it's a show for bloodletting. This is John. I have with me Jordan, Jim, and Brad. Good evening. Hey, everybody. Jim and Brad are currently trapped in the school. Trapped in yeah. the school. From the end of the episode? But is that what that was? I, 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 call, I call Shane. You have to be Otis. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, fine with me, dude, because I really like that actor. I can't even remember his name right now. but uh, Something Pruitt. We'll talk about Pruitt him. Pruitt Taylor Vince, maybe? Talk about him later. Let's. Uh, we do have a big show. We had a, an interesting episode. I think uh, more of a wide range of opinions on this one. I think the premiere was universally liked as I read comments. And this one, not so much. There was a little bit more varying opinion, so I'm excited. Excited to hear what you guys all thought. First, let's do our sponsor, as always, DCBService.com. Get all your comics, trade paperbacks, and comic-related material, clothing and gadgets and all that stuff from DCB Service. Again, if you're new to The Walking Dead, you're checking out the show, you're checking out our show, and you're thinking of dipping your toes into the comic scene, DCB Service is the way to do it. You don't want to pay full price at uh, Barnes & Noble or, or wherever. You're going to get 40 50 60 percent discounts at DCB service throw WD8 in as a code that's WD8 if it's your first time ordering you get an extra 8 percent probably end up saving you about 50 percent on whatever you order share this share the zombie comics this season you know this holiday season's coming up starting with Halloween on into Christmas you want to turn someone on to the Walking Dead comic get it cheap at DCB service man it, it doesn't it doesn't pay to go to one of the big you know box retailers you go to DCB service you get quality service from quality people and great prices yeah and this is the time for zombie stuff without a doubt uh it's loaded with halloween and, and everything right around the corner so you can find some cool stuff if that's your thing so once again dcbservice.com so i think uh i think we're gonna do some itunes reviews right off the bat so that we can then get into our episode and all that goodness but we do like to thank the people uh that leave itunes reviews and take the time to do that so that's very cool so jim why don't you run through some new reviews for the walking dead tv podcast sweet we always appreciate the itunes reviews if you can mosey on over there and leave a leave us a few uh and let us know what you think of the show that would be great first one i'm going to go over tonight is by caesar thompson who said solid as a rock five stars these fine gentlemen are dedicated fans who don't let their love for the series get in the way of a thorough and heartfelt discussion dissection of everything the walking dead highly recommended thank you very much caesar i appreciate it love your salad by the way uh buster todd said oh dear i heard that this is a sign uh i've listened to your podcast in the beginning I was laid onto the scene with podcasts while watching Lost. I listened to uh, um, a lot of the uh, WD series, but narrowed it down to just HHWLOD. Words can be meager things. Sometimes they fall short. Well, words are kind of our business here at the podcast, Buster. Thanks for the five-star review. We got uh, a nice uh, short... can't really be Buster, can it? Buster Todd is, is his iTunes name. I, I don't know I if that's his Bust- Christian name. <laughs> I think Buster is a shout-out for us, but uh, there's a Buster on uh, Twitter as well, so we love it. Absolutely. We got to keep the, the, the undead uh, spirit of Buster alive. Live, as it were. Um, we got another one from Miz, uh, from uh, NJ Mommy. Uh, you guys rock with this podcast. Absolutely love it. Continue the great work. Thank you so much, NJ. Uh, from your uh, neck of the woods there, Jordan, Jersey. Yeah, no relation, though, as far as I'm aware. I thought, I thought everybody I'm in Jersey was related. <laughs> My mom would like the show. <laughs> I thought everybody in Jersey was related. All those girls on that MTV show. You're, you're uh, thinking can, of Alabama. Oh, right, right. Uh, Geekorama says, uh, Canfield 80. These guys are great. They're way over on the geeky side of the spectrum, even for a Walking Dead podcast. Now, I think, I don't know if they meant that as a compliment, but that's how I'm taking it because. I'm proud of my geekness. Uh, detailed, insightful, enthusiastic, and nice range of voices recommended. And that was only a four out of five star review, but, you know, four out of five is better than, you know, less. 
Uh, <laughs> yes, it's better than three, two, and one. Absolutely. Better than finding half a worm in your apple. Or half an apple in your worm. Uh, good podcast, says LJSL0330. Uh, great podcast, just a bunch of dudes talking about the show. Great interviews with actors as well. Uh, obviously know the comic, and we're. And I appreciate that they noticed that we're, uh, we're talking about the show without spoiling the comic for those who haven't read it. Uh, I'm glad, you know, they uh, they understand that we're trying to do that and that it shows. And then finally... No, 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 no. You got to read the last sentence of, of oh, that one. Can be a little on the dry side occasionally, but I will take that over some podcasts that are filled with crap that doesn't relate to the topic at hand all day. Brad, how do you feel about that person calling you dry? I, I can't hear. Martini. I can't hear you over the bubbling stream. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode is brought to you by Canada Dry Ginger Ale. My uncle was such a bad drunk he saw a sign that said drink Canada Dry, so he did. And our final and our final podcast review on iTunes from Labyrinth thirty four thirty four, and that's the David Bowie and Jennifer Connolly shout out, I would imagine. Uh, these guys are funny and very knowledgeable about the show and comics. They do a great job of keeping the comics separate and revealing as few spoilers as possible. Learned a lot more about the show from their reviews of each episode. They have awesome interviews with cast members. Definitely give this guys a listen. So thanks a lot for all your iTunes feedback. We really appreciate it. Let us know what you like and what you don't like about the show. And uh, you know, I, I kind of take the dry thing as like a dry martini. You know, it's very refreshing. I want to mention that um, with the Walking Dead kind of explosion with the new season starting and everything, uh, you know, iTunes did a spotlight on on Walking Dead podcasts, and so we got to be on the front page of iTunes, um, and that's due to the reviews and the you know the subscribers that we have. If if we didn't have a ton of reviews or a lot of subscribers, we wouldn't have made the front page, and we wouldn't have gotten exposed to a lot of new listeners that have certainly joined. So uh, so thanks everyone, we really do appreciate it. We'll try to read them whenever we get a chance. That's relaxing, isn't it? I don't hear it anymore, actually. You don't hear the rain and thunder? Oh, no, I think you just turned it up now here. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? I'll be right back. I have to go to the bathroom. It's certainly not dry in here anymore. Let's well, turn that down before this... For, uh, okay. Let's turn that down before it becomes a Doors album. Come on. Hey, we talked a little bit about Buster quickly, and I want to let Jordan get to the episode itself, but Brad, you had uh, a little delivery in the mail, I believe a little wind-up walking Buster. Can you talk to us about that? I got an awesome box from you, sir, uh, full of goodies, and some were from uh, your own personal collection. I appreciate that, and some were from the New York Comic Con, and one of them was the... What is the what is the name what is it called on the on the bo- zombie you walker the now, Brad. zombie I... walker it's called zombie walker but it's yeah. it's our it's our friend Buster and he's you wind him up <clears throat> and he walks in theory well depending on how you position his arms to counterbalance him and things like that he'll either kind of look like a weeble wobble or he'll just go from one leg to the other and he won't move forward but he'll just side side to side to side or he'll put all of his weight on one leg and then the other one will swing back and forth like he's a horse counting out you know one two three <laughs> four so i haven't quite figured out where to put his arms to actually make him walk but uh he has been entertaining and he, he looks really cool too Awesome. Yeah, I was very happy with the action figure set. It's it's pretty cool. I'm not a huge toy collector at all, but these look really good. And, you know, if you want to pose them or, you know, just display them, I think they're I think they're pretty good. I I think uh, it's a decent presentation. And I mean, they're going to be like 10, 15 bucks a figure. So I'm glad there are at least some accessories and some in the case of Buster, there's wind up action. And I think nah, I'm wrong. One of the one of the zombie figures explodes but i think that's the comic series ones maybe yeah i think it's the i think it's the comic one that comes apart comes in half doesn't he crawl on his on his own power i think there's two comic zombies there's the lurker and the roamer i think one of them comes in half and then i i thought maybe i'm confusing things but i thought uh once you pulled him in half he like pulls himself along the ground kind of like the bicycle girl did that would be cool yeah. i don't i don't I know if I, more homework on that but, I could do uh, well. but i'm glad your your buster is uh satisfactory yeah i like him. he's very cool and i'm gonna make him walk i just have to i have to learn him all right jordan we've done 10 minutes of assorted crap let's get to the meat and potatoes shall we <laughs> let's do that so episode 202 is entitled bloodletting it was written by showrunner glenn mazzaro the brand new showrunner for this season and it was directed by ernest dickerson who has directed as i bring on this imdb page uh probably a hundred episodes of television pretty much every show you could possibly think of he's directed one or two episodes of so quite the pedigree there i think he directed one of last seasons didn't he 
I believe that is true. He's actually directed several. He directed the uh, season two premiere as well. Oh, okay. But uh, there was at least four episodes under his name for The Walking Dead. Uh, Save the last one, which must be upcoming. Bloodletting, What Lies Ahead. And last, yes, last season he did Wildfire. So, Brad? We want you to sing, Brad. Oh, no, no I, I don't I think we want him to. We just expect yeah. him to. No, I'm Brad's not. having throat issues. So I'm still having ragweed allergy problem. I'm not going to sing. Uh, oh. That's a shame. The uh, <laughs> Save the Last One is next episode. Okay, cool. So he did three in They're a row. They're talking that about Twinkies. quite the uh, job. They're talking about Twinkies. Yeah. Now, you're <laughs> saying that he wrote Save the Last One as well? Is that... I'm, I'm sorry. What are we What are we saying exactly? He, no, no, no. He, he's direct, he directed last week's episode, this week's episode, and next week's episode. Yes. Okay, correct. But this one was written by Glenn Mazzara, the new showrunner. I wonder yeah. if they shot him back to back to back. Like uh, I think Lord they shot the, the whole season trilogies. back to back pretty much. So the episode opens with our first flashback of the season. And this time it is a flashback to Lori. It's actually the day where Rick was shot. She's at the school playground having a discussion with another mom about her relationship with Rick and how they had an argument that morning and she knows that she was the bad guy but you know she she's just having a lot of trouble dealing with that when all of a sudden Shane comes driving up in a cop car and lets her know that Rick has been shot and she has to tell Carl as he gets out of school. I think we need to spend a little time on this scene for for a couple of reasons. Um one I, she looked awesome. Yeah, did you guys think that man when they were focused up on Lori, my thoughts were like, wow, what a fake background. But then, you know, obviously they kind of pan out as the car pulls up and it's not. Did you guys think it was shot funny or focused funny? Something didn't look right to me when they were like up close on Lori and her friend. I didn't notice anything like that. I think it was like, uh, wasn't it kind of like a a slow rolling pan like around them as they were talking? So I remember you see her uh, face's friend before you, or friend's face before you see hers. Maybe that was it. I don't know. You know, I'll have to watch it. Like, I know that my thought was, man, did they like green screen this or like were they shooting it inside and had to make it look outside? But then, like I said, when they focus out and the car pulls around, obviously they were on, you know, they were on location for that. So I guess it was just me. But other than that, were you guys okay with the dialogue and everything here? I yeah, like Okay. No, I heard some complaints. We'll get to the Facebook comments, stuff like that in, in a little bit. But I know a lot of people that hated this first scene and it didn't really grab me as good or bad. So I just wanted to stop here for a second and see if anybody had anything I mean, to say. A lot of people seem to, to say, well, what was the point of the flashback? It had nothing to do with the rest of the episode, which I disagree with. And of course, we'll get into later. But my question would be, do you guys think Lori fared well from this conversation? Like, do you feel better about her character knowing that she'll acknowledge that she was the jerk and she he was the bad guy or does that just make you dislike Lori more I don't think yeah. that I don't think the flashback served any purpose whatsoever actually I think it was a waste of time and and you know zombie time that they could have been telling my opinion is the whole episode was not the whole episode the non-zombie portion of the episode was a complete waste we'll get into that but well i kind of think that they um they're making shane a lot more likable than he was in the comic you know i kind of see it in this scene where he's like he's watching laurie tell you know carl what happened to rick you know and he kind of he's not really like taking ownership or whatever but he kind of you can see it later in the episode too he kind of feels like carl is his own son by extension you know yeah i was trying Trying to get what they were trying to say to me, like, was Shane going to give Lori some kind of look when he got out of the car or, you know, was Lori's dialogue going to make us feel one way or the other, like you were saying, Jordan, but nothing really struck me in the scene. I kept watching Shane for little clues like that, and there was no... I never got any kind of look. I never caught any, you know, subtlety in it, the way he said anything or anything like that. If if I, you know, at, at this point didn't know that they were actually going to be involved in some in the future, I would not have gotten that from this flashback. Yeah, I agree, Brad. I was kind of looking for that too to see if there was, uh, you know, some evidence of that before, you know, the incident with Rick getting shot. But I didn't, I didn't see any of that at all. I do think it kind of makes Shane's character, like I said, a little more likable than uh, than he is in the book. Um, a little more relatable, um, kind of uh, more duty-bound. It seems like even more so than Rick at some points. Yeah, and as we, as, as we go on, Jim, I think that's a theme. You know, uh, Shane does some pretty heroic things as we move forward, and I think they are definitely trying to swing this a little bit and make us maybe... maybe see, I don't know. that I don't feel like they're making me question Laurie more, but I definitely feel like they're making Shane 
more likable. Well, you know, like John and Jordan and I talked about last time, we didn't have much opportunity to get to know Shane in the comic. You know, he was gone before we realized what had happened. So this is all new to us. I, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about Shane. You know, we've we've seen in the show pretty much everything we saw in the comic when it comes to Shane. We've seen the conversation where he almost loses it, you know, with Rick, when they, it gets kind of heated. We've seen that. That was in the comic. We've seen that in the show. So now... He's doing more stuff now than he hasn't done in the comics, so this is all brand new. Yeah, at this point, he's almost as much of a new character as, say, Daryl is, and you're, you're getting on the ground floor just with everybody else who's never read the book. Yeah, I agree. So after the flashback, we jump back to, uh, I'd say, probably two or three minutes after the end of last episode. It was kind of interesting. They don't start by you know, picking up right where it left off and introducing Otis. Uh, we start, and they're running for the farmhouse. Otis, who's a pretty big guy, he's winded, and he tells Rick which direction to run and that he needs to ask for Herschel when he gets to the farmhouse. I was real glad that they showed Otis as soon as they did into that scene because my first thought was, how does Rick know where he's going? He obviously looks like he knows where he's going because he's running so dang fast. And then 10 seconds later, boom, we see a, another character we've never seen. And you oh, you go, oh, obviously, this is the guy. You know, he's the one that said, Rick, go that way. So it, I was happy with the way they did that. Yeah. So then the next scene, we are at the farmhouse and we're introduced to a brand new character, Maggie, who's, of course, from the books, a character we've very much waited for. And she sees them running in from the porch and she alerts her family. Uh, I think there's how many siblings were there? About five plus Herschel? That's a good question and one that I cannot answer at this time. Okay, well, there, there was a bunch of kids, a whole litter, if you will. Uh, Herschel quickly springs into action when he sees that Carl needs help. And after Rick tells him he's not bitten, he's just shot. Uh, Rick is clearly grief stricken. Uh, he's, you know, barely coherent at this point. And Herschel tells him that he needs to leave the room so that he has space to work on Carl. I like the casting. Uh thought that was a really good actor and really good choice for that role. Yeah, I know. I feel like I've seen him before. Um, I can't put my finger on anything because I'm no good at that sort of thing. But I know I've seen him on Law & Order before, uh, the original Law, Law & Order. I can't place his name, though. I'll have to look it up. Well, it's, it's Scott Wilson. He was in, uh, I know we talked about this earlier when he was cast, but he was in Dead Men Walking. He was in the movie, uh, he was in the movie Monster. He was in The Last Samurai uh, in Cold Blood. He's been in quite a few things. Justified last season. Maybe that's where I recognize him from. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably where I recognize him from as well. But yeah, I think he fit. I, I thought it. Uh, I, I thought he did a very good job this episode. Yeah, it was nice to have another old guy as opposed to just Dale. Like, I mean, we already like Dale, but now we get kind of another guy from the same generation who handles things differently and uh, who just acts as a good. I think he's going to act as a good uh, counterweight to the character of Dale this season. He certainly doesn't look like the Herschel in the comic to me. Do you guys agree? Um, I actually just reread volume two the other day and he kind of does. Does he? Okay. Me. Well, my, I haven't looked at it in a while and my memory is a little different than, than what I think he, he looks like, but he might, he might be a good 30 pounds heavier. Maybe that's all it is, but I, I like him. I like his character a lot. You know, it, it feels like the same Herschel as far as, you know, personality and things he would say and like that. And uh, so that, that, that works for me. And this is going to kind of be a, this is one of those things where, you could probably ask people a lot of questions about Herschel, but we're going to know a lot of the answers, so we're just going to have to let things play out a lot with this farm, I think. But uh, I've said too much. So after Herschel kicks Rick out of the uh, the impromptu operating room, he stands on the porch, and he's in a daze, and then Shane and Otis finally arrive. Shane and kind of stayed behind with Otis, who, like I said before, is winded. Otis is really concerned for Carl's survival because he feels responsible, and Shane tends to the blood-covered Rick, another instance of him kind of having more—I I wouldn't say this is a heroic note, but it's definitely a— um, very friendship-filled note. He's doing the right thing in this case. Yeah, it's endearing to his character. We are meant to be endeared to him. So they head back inside, and Herschel asks for Carl's blood type. Rick says it's A-positive, which is the same as his, and fun fact, same as mine. And so they decide they're going to do a transfusion, and Herschel tells them that there are, he, as he thinks, six bullet fragments inside Carl's body, that the bullet kind of fractured after it went through the deer, and so he's going to have to remove them. And Otis is very apologetic for his negligence, and Rick laments that Lori doesn't know what's going on. He's and freaking out that you know she should be here and he needs to go tell her. Yeah, one thing that I, I thought was interesting about this episode and how it was different from the comic was you have three very separate groups going on right now, right? You have uh, you have the Daryl, Lori, 
uh, wood hunting group for Sophia. Who else is with that? Uh, Carol. Uh, am I missing anybody? Andrea. 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 And then back at the RV on the road, you have T-Dog and Dale, of course. So there's three very separate groups here that they're kind of bouncing back and forth between. And I thought they did it to pretty good effect. They didn't ever go too long without checking in on any of the groups. It wasn't, you know, 45 minutes where you didn't see them. So you always felt like you were right there alongside them. And, you know, it added to the tension because they're going to have to stretch the story a little bit. And I think they, they made a good choice there. The only effect it's really having on me is that for whatever reason, I already did. I stopped caring about Sophia and I was much more concerned with Carl and T-Dog's arm. For whatever reason, you know, maybe it's a little too much going on at one time. I'm not I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll do something to ramp up the Sophia. No, I can agree with that. I think part of it is because we don't see Sophia. Like we see Carl and T-Dog in pain and obvious peril. We have no idea what's going on with her. I don't think we've been emotionally invested in Sophia yet. That's another good point. Throughout the whole show. Yeah, that's true. So, like you said, they're they're split up. So we go to Lori's group next, and the whole group heard the gunshot. They're kind of still going on, but Lori's worried. Uh, And eventually they decide it's better for them to continue back to the RV and keep searching rather than just chasing echoes in the woods because they're all going to get killed if they start doing that. Then we head back to group number three, which is Dale and T-Dog, where they're continuing to, quote-unquote, work on the RV. Uh, T-Dog is in pretty bad pain from his wound, and Dale thinks he might have blood poisoning. And we also learn that T-Dog's name is Theodore Douglas. Yes. And I want to shout out to Irony Singleton, who is very cool and tweets during the show uh, when we all kind of hop on during commercials and tweet. He's right there with the fans interacting and everything. And I didn't catch the middle name. And I asked him and uh, he did confirm that it was Douglas. So that's cool. But I guess you got it the first time, Jordan. I really couldn't hear very well. I replayed it a couple times just to be sure. But yeah. Are yeah. you saying it's middle name and not his last name? Um, You know what? I don't know. For, for some good, reason. That's a good question. Middle, yeah. For some reason, it's struck me as his middle name it, and it, it could be a middle or a last name Douglas I guess so. the same thing I was thinking first and middle I don't know why but you know I don't know that he his full name is Th- Theodore Douglas dog it was some good acting on uh, Irony Singleton's part this this uh, yeah he knocked it out of the park this episode he hasn't been asked to do a whole lot in the last season but you know he played I'm about to pass out and go crazy and who knows else what pretty well and once again Dale is the man yeah I love the scenes with T-Dog and Dale um, in this episode especially you know with T-Dog I was like, let's just go. Let's just get in the RV and go. Just leave them all behind. Let's go. You're like, you know, and he's telling this to like the most loyal guy in the whole crew. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, uh, they, they worked really well. Those actors worked really well off of each other, I thought. Yeah. Before they get to that point, though, they decide to look for uh, for antibiotics in the cars. They're going to recheck them. And uh, T-Dog finds some, or we learn this later, just ibuprofen. But he also finds a pack of cigarettes and he decides to sneak, uh, sneak a smoke. But in the back seat of the car where he finds the cigarettes, he sees a very, very bloody car seat and he kind of freaks out and uh, heads back to the RV. Did you guys try to figure out or you know what did what did that strike you as has happened at, at that point what what did you guys when i saw that i thought it looks like some parent had to shoot their kid oh no no that's, that's what it that's what it <laughs> i hadn't gone that dark that's what i it, mean that's not funny but no it's not funny but you thought that yeah that's what it looked like to me the the brain splatter the blood and the brain splatter to me looked like uh he shot his kid so his kid wouldn't end up being a zombie or something wow. the only reason why i would maybe argue against that is because there wasn't a body left and so to me it would mean it would seem more like a zombie actually got to it and ate it that could happen too Get but either way it's pretty yeah, I went with, uh, you know, a baby got snatched by a zombie or chewed on in the back seat. Couldn't couldn't get out because of the car seat. You know, they, they, just went, they went to Sonic and they got one of those foot long chili dogs. They couldn't finish it and rubbed it all over the seat. <laughs> so then we go back to group number one, uh, Rick and Shane, and they're discussing the day's events and uh, what they're going to do. Maggie comes to get Rick for the transfusion. Uh, and we see that Carl is awake and in really bad pain. Everybody starts screaming. They start the confusion, uh, the transfusion and Carl passes out. How about uh, that acting from Chandler Riggs there? Was anybody else yeah, squirming? Yeah, he's an awesome little actor. Um, here's something I wanted to ask about the blood transfusion. How is it they have orange juice? You know what, Jim? I thought as soon as he started drinking that, I wonder if he's going to go, oh, this is warm. What's up? Well, a farm might still have old-fashioned ice boxes. Um, beyond that, though, they are in Atlanta, which I know George is more known for peaches, but couldn't they grow oranges in that area? You can grow them in Florida. I guess, but I don't know. Maybe they had Tang. Maybe I mean, they it, have a... It is maybe a it was Tang. Maybe it was Tang. There's I no didn't... astronauts there, Jim. I saw Pulp. 
I didn't think about what they were drinking for one second. Maybe they <laughs> had have a windmill powered electric generator. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, it could be. Was anybody else the... squirming when Chandler Riggs was screaming? Oh, it was blood curdling. I thought he did a great job. I mean, he's a really awesome little actor in there. Yeah. Is this the he needs more blood scene or is that later? Uh, I think that's the second transfusion. Okay. So we cut to a commercial break. We come back. Carl is asleep now at this point and uh, Herschel is monitoring his blood pressure. He says it's stable at the moment and Rick wants to go get Lori so he, she can be with him. But Herschel says Carl will need more of Rick's blood. And so Shane volunteers to go. Shane brings is up Rick that, in the hospital. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, Jim. Sir. This is, is this the big scene? I don't know if it's big, but between uh, Rick and Shane, where Shane's saying to him, if you leave and that boy slips away, you'll never forgive yourself. That whole sequence. Um, I'm just bringing it up because that's another, you know, Shane moment where, you know. Yeah, that's actually the next thing I was going to say. Sorry. I'm looking further down in my notes, so I missed it. Yeah, they're just drawing us towards Shane's side, I think, with these scenes, you know. Am I the only one? Shane says that when Rick was in the hospital, Lori was the strong one during that time, and it's now it's Rick's turn to be strong while Carl is uh, is injured. Am I the only one that found the acting the scenes, more than one scene between Shane and Rick, a little melodramatic, a little bit over the top, a little cheesy? I can hear the Vixens yelling at me right now, but I'm sorry. That was, it approached pretty bad in my opinion. We're talking about the Rick-Shane? Any Rick-Shane conversation in this episode. Um, they, I thought maybe other moments, like the whole he needs more blood kind of drama of the transfusion scenes, I thought maybe those were a little over the top. I didn't really think that in um in the Rick Shane stuff. Uh, maybe when he wiped the blood off his head, was that kind of corny? I'm su- I'm surprised he didn't like lick his thumb and wipe the blood off like your mom does when you got mud on your face when you were a kid. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you got something on there. Let me get that for you. I just was really put off by the emotional scenes between the two of them for some reason. I, I don't know. I mean, I was focused so much on Andrew Lincoln's performance and how uh, I, I thought he did a great job. I didn't really focus too much on John Bernthal's performance as Shane. It didn't bother me. Um, I'll put it that way. Yeah, I thought it was all right. I mean, if you, I mean, I know we keep we refer to the comics again, but the comics at their heart are basically a soap opera with zombies, you know. And so I could kind of see where it might come off as uh, melodramatic to you, Brad. But I honestly didn't have a problem with much of the acting in this uh, episode. I, I don't want to be Mr. Negative, but I guess, you know, I might as well be for this episode. I just, I don't know, I was put off by that. I thought John Bernthal's acting was not as good as usual. Andrew Lincoln, in my opinion, acted circles around John Bernthal in this episode, and uh, I just thought he was a little little cheesy. I was looking around for the chips. That's fair. Now, having said that, later on in the episode, when he and Otis are doing their thing, I really uh, appreciated that, those scenes. No, 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 no. That was my Shane impression from the end of the episode. You can't tell, but my pants are pulled up really high. They fixed his pants, bro. The joke's over. <laughs> they ruined everything and, fun. And we, and we can't tell. <laughs> So Herschel says there's internal bleeding now and that the blood, his, uh, Carl's blood pressure is dropping. They need to fix that. They still need to remove the five remaining fragments. Uh, he needs to put Carl under, but Carl won't be able to breathe unless they can get a respirator and some other supplies. So he tells them there's a FEMA shelter at a high school nearby that may have the supplies. And Shane and Otis uh, volunteer to go down there and get the supplies. Turns out Otis is actually a volunteer EMT. Now, when they get in the truck... And Shane has the shotgun and Otis has like the rifle. Uh, and there was a little bit of a back and forth there. And he says, like, it's the only one I got or something like that. Was that, was his gun small? Was that, was what I, no, was... I think it's, that's because it's the gun that shot Carl. Right. That's, that's what I took from uh, it. Also. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Plus, yeah. I mean, uh, the shotgun's a lot more effective at close range on walkers than the, the rifle would be, too. Yeah, I that's mean, what I thought. I, I thought he was, and I don't know anything about guns. I thought maybe they were making fun of, like, the size or the caliber or the type that it was. But that makes a lot more sense that it was actually the one that accidentally shot Carl. So we run over to Lori's group, and they're calling off the search for Sophia for the night, and they head back to the RV. Then we get that scene, of course, where they get, uh, where Otis and Shane get in the truck after Rick loans Otis the python for the trip. Did we miss we go back. Carol's, um, am I the only one that's Zen here thing and the hoping and praying stuff? Is that where this falls or was that? Early? I think that, I think that is that scene. Yeah. What was that line? Which, that was he said, scene from him. what was that yeah. line? Because I'm, I couldn't tell what he said. I missed it. 
Am because I, am I the only one Zen around here? Good Lord. Zen, oh, Zen. Okay. All right, I get it. No, it's funny now. I didn't know what he said until <laughs> just now. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that because there's some other, like, kind of half comedic lines coming up from Daryl, and I just think it's interesting what they're trying to do with his character. Um, and again, definitely stepping up, though. I mean, he's one of the top dogs in this show right now. I mean, for sure. It was also an interesting choice where at first when, uh, I guess it's Sophie, not Sophia, uh, Carol and Lori are having the discussion about, you know, they're worried about Carl and about everybody. When he comes over at first, it seems like he's going to be kind of a jerk and saying, you know, all this hope and praying is not worth anything. But then he, he turns it on its head by saying, we know they're going to be okay. We know they're going to be just fine. And it was kind of a, str- I don't want to say a strange turn. It's, uh, it's not what I expected. And I like that. Yeah. Here I go again, being negative. I found that weird that Daryl would like all of a sudden be like Mr. Supportive. Well, here's my guess. My guess is Daryl is going to be the really at heart good guy that we're going to come to love for all of these moments and Merle's going to come back one day and want his lapdog little brother back you know henchman type and uh there's going to be some conflict you know where loyalties lie and stuff like that I think that's what they're doing I think they're trying to make us like Daryl and have the group like Daryl and then when Merle does come back there's going to be trouble well, something else I wanted to mention too, uh, the scene where, or I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead, but where, um, um, Daryl, you know, throws in the antibiotics and says, Merle had the clap. You know, uh, that can drive you insane if it's untreated, you know, venereal disease. So maybe that explains why, uh, you know, Merle was so, you know, whacked out of his mind. Yeah, yeah, it might, it might have something to do with it too, but you know what I mean? Is that, does that mean Merle's the sound of one hand clapping? I called dibs on that joke earlier today. Been waiting for somebody to set me up. Merle's the only one that's done around here. So we go back to group number three. Dale has found tons of stuff, a guitar, a machete, other things, but no drugs. And T-Dog says the only fat drugs he found was the ibuprofen. T-Dog says at this point, you know, we were left behind because we're, we're perceived as the weakest. You're 64, I'm the black guy, and the other guys are all cowboys and rednecks. We should take the RV and leave. And uh, Dale quickly ascertains that he's got a massive fever and he's more just talking from from that than any real place of, uh, of logic. And he makes them take some ibuprofen for the fever. This is where he got into the little... Uh the racial stuff, right? He doesn't he refer to like what happened on the roof and what do you think is going to happen? Right. When he pulled the race card on me and all that. All because I lost a key. <laughs> yeah, I like that he referenced that too. That was fun. I thought he was going to end up saying something like, "Don't you watch movies? Black guy always goes first. Yeah, except in Night of the Living Dead, where he goes last. Spoilers. I, I do like the moments here with uh, I thought Irony and uh, and Jeffrey Demute did a really good job, you know, playing off of one another, you know, playing these characters who are very different off of one another in this, you know, in this situation. I thought it was a good scene. In fact, that's probably one of my favorite uh, sequences in the whole episode. Yeah, like I said before, uh, Irony did a really, really good job this episode. I think this is the first time they've really asked him to do anything of of any real substance. I mean, he's always been there doing fun things, a few fun lines here and there, but this is the first time where he's really had to act, and I think he pulled it off wonderfully. And like you said, Jeffrey Demont. Uh, again, knocked us out of the park just as usual. I agree with Jim. That, that was probably some of my most favorite scenes in the episode was the two of them. So then we go back to group number two, Lori's group, and they're almost to the RV, maybe 100 yards, when Andrea and the audience is surprised by a walker who comes out of left field. That uh, she was gets... a sweet reveal. With it that, really was. With that, because the camera was trucking from right to left, and... Then the tree comes in from the left-hand side of the frame, and just as it gets to the right of center, that zombie walks out from behind it. It was a really well-orchestrated, well-photographed shot, and it really, really surprised me, and it was just, I got goosebumps when that happened, because it was so well done and fluid that it didn't look like, it looked like everybody hit their mark, and it was perfect. Correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that the first time we see an actual zombie in the whole episode? Uh, I believe you're right. Yeah, yep. I think so. So, uh, Andrea attacks the zombie with a knife, but she gets knocked down. The knife gets thrown away, and she's all of a sudden saved by Maggie, who rides in on a horse. She hits the zombie with a baseball bat. She quickly finds Lori and tells her that Lori needs to come with her, and Lori does over Daryl's objections, and Ma- Maggie tells the rest of the group how to find the farm from the road. Okay, so the horse comes up. You only get a look at, like, her boot and stuff first. Uh, who thought it was somebody other than Maggie? I did. I, I did. did, too. 
I thought we were either getting <laughs> my first thought was Merle. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> my, my first thought was Michonne. Yeah. But then yeah, I remembered how Michonne didn't appear that way in the comic, and I I sure hope I'm praying that they'll introduce her the way that they do in the comic because it's really yeah, awesome. it's really iconic. Yeah, it is. So, but then you know, as soon as you see it, you go, duh. Of course, who else is it gonna be? Well, plus she was the only other person there in the in the discussion between Rick and Shane about going back to find. Um, I think she was the only person there, but going back to find Lori and bring her back. And you could see kind of the wheels turning behind her eyes in that scene. So it didn't strike me. It didn't take me by surprise, but I could see how someone would go, oh, Michonne, awesome. Maybe it's memory filling in gaps, but I'm pretty sure you could hear the the horse, you know, as it's getting closer and closer. I thought that was really cool audio. Yeah, good fully worth. Was there anything like this scene in the comic? I have, I'm having a real hard time recalling. Nope, I read volume two last week. Nothing like, or at least nothing like it in volume two. Okay. Because doesn't the whole group get to Herschel's farm pretty much at one time? Yeah. So, I just yeah. read volume two recently to reread it in preparation for the new season. That was that was my thinking as well. So the rest of the group heads back to the RV. They meet up with Dale and T Dog, and they discuss heading towards the farm. Uh, this is when we get Glenn's referring to Maggie as Zorro, which I thought was funny. And uh, we find out that Andre is still very ticked off at Dale. Glenn kind of had the night off, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, it was a light Glenn episode. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll get a lot of him this season. Oh, heck so yeah. Probably space it out. Yeah, heck yeah. Did we skip the zombie kill, which was awesome when. Uh... After Maggie whacked the zombie in the head and, and took off with Lori, the zombie sits back up and uh, Daryl tells him to shut up because he's kind of making groaning noises and shoots him through the eye with the crossbow. <laughs> and it was another g- great reveal. I don't know if it was as good as the one Brad was talking about before, but, you know, you hear him before you see him and then he just sits up. Right. And he's only in the frame for like three seconds before he's got an arrow through the head yeah, or, was, or a bolt, rather. That was really cool, too. And uh, I just want to mention that I tweeted out once it had gotten to like 20 minutes and there hadn't been a zombie yet, I tweeted out, uh, you know, who's going to get the first zombie kill, first person with the right answer sort of thing. So uh, we had some fun because everybody thought it was going to be Maggie at first when the zombie got whacked. And uh, and then, of course, when the zombie sits back up, we find out who actually gets the first zombie kill. And uh, when we're done with the episode, I'll uh, congratulate the winner and uh, let her know what she's going to get. Very cool. So we head back to the farm, and Rick and Herschel are having a discussion about it. Apparently, it's been in the Green family for about 160 years. We find out that the zombie plague killed Herschel's wife and his stepson. And Herschel hopes for a cure, but Rick tells him, hey, the CDC's gone. We were just there last season. And uh, Herschel still has hope, surprisingly enough. He says, look, it's no different than anything else that's come before. Every time something else comes around, AIDS or the Black Plague, we're told, Oh, this is this is nothing like what's happened before, but it always is. It's just like any other epidemic, and he still has hope. And while they're having this conversation, we see Lori and Maggie riding up on horseback, and she and Rick head back in to check on Carl. So after another commercial, Rick completes a second blood transfusion. Uh, Lori is still very ticked at Otis, who's currently on the the mission for supplies. She keeps referring to him as the idiot who shot our son, but she wants to make sure that Herschel can do the surgery, so she cross-examines him. Cross examines him a bit, and she finds out that he is actually a veterinarian. Yeah, this sequence of events did not do anything to help Lori in the eyes of the fans. I, I mean, she's just a bitch. There's, I mean, she's just being protective of her son. I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the way that uh, Sarah Wayne Callies is delivering it. But it doesn't come off as worried about a son. It comes off as like, you idiots have to be kidding me. Did you guys watch Prison Break? I no. watched uh, maybe see, definitely season one, maybe season two. She she has a very similar acting style in this show as she did in, in Prison Break. And I don't think it's intentional, but I just think her way of acting comes off a little bitchy. You know, I, I just think it's the way she delivers, like you said. Very matter-of-factly. Yeah. The... Yeah. Kind of like, you But know, that, that's also the way the character is written. I mean, we knew going into A Walking Dead from the comics that I that's how the character is. I am not disparaging the actress at all. I'm saying I think she's supposed to be a bitch, and she's delivering it as a bitch. 
So we cut back to Shane and Otis at the high school. And uh, we start uh, when we start the scene, we can't actually see whether there's any zombies there, but we have an overhead pan and we quickly see that it is completely overrun with walkers and they need to get to the mobile trailer, the mobile uh, FEMA, FEMA medical trailer, which is right in the center of the mess. So we then go back to Dale and that group and they decide we're not going to abandon the search for Sophia just yet. Glenn, you take T-Dog to the farm for medical help because, you know, he's getting worse. The rest of us are going to stay here the night and set up a sign for Sophia to follow if she comes back. But when Daryl hears that T-Dog needs drugs, he raids his brother's stash on the motorcycle and pulls out a giant bag of pills, which, according to at least a couple people who watched it, includes some blue meth. So that was some nice cross-promotional stuff there. Well, he did say... Brought to you by uh, Heisenberg. <laughs> yes. Didn't he even say meth? Yes, science. Yeah, uh, he said heroin and ecstasy, I think. I don't remember if he said meth specifically. Definitely said X. Or X. Maybe, maybe it was X. Maybe that's X what I and heard. heroin. Maybe that's what But I yeah, there, there's, a, there's a ton of stuff there. And as uh, was it Jim brought up before, you know, he had the clap at one point, apparently. And uh, so he's got quite quite the supply, including, including painkillers. And so they give those to T-Dog. Insert the sound of one hand clapping joke here. I thought that uh, Norman Reedus delivered these lines very, very well. It was, it was funny. He was flipping through the pills and kind of like rattling off one-liners that were all kind of... It's like, ooh, this is good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I thought he, I thought he did a good job here. And I, I like how they're... I think I like how they're making Daryl this kind of off-center um, half... I don't want to call him comedy. Do I want to call him comedy relief? I don't know. I mean, it's not... He's a very Sawyer character. Or Indiana Jones-like character, only a bit more rough around the edges. I think. Yeah. I think we. I think it was last week we said this, but I think Sawyer is a very uh, accurate comparison. And you know, I mean, he was a jerk a few times in season one, but usually, I mean, or I shouldn't say usually, it was only when you know he just found out they left his brother to die chained on a roof, and a couple times when you know, you know, the heat's getting. You know, the actual physical heat from the sun is getting hot and, you know, he's having to deal with stuff. He was never, he never seemed to go out of his way to be a jerk. So it doesn't seem out of character for me. To me, rather. So we then head back to see Shane and Otis raiding a cop car for flares. They throw them to distract the walkers and they use that distraction to sneak into the trailer. Then we go back to Rick, who's worried that they're taking too long and he wants to go and help. But Lori tells him he has to stay. She can't do this alone. Not again. And this is where... This is where I think that that flashback was important. This and also where Shane was pointing out, you know, she had to be the one who was strong last time. This is this is the inverse situation in many ways. Now it's her and Rick having to deal with the situation of the son when he wasn't there the first time because he was the one who was injured. I think they were using that as a, as a parallel between Rick's injury and, and Carl's injury. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Me too. I just still think it was unnecessary. And that's, you know, per perfectly legitimate. But it worked for me. So then for our final scene of the episode, we head back to Shane and Otis, who they find the supplies. Uh, this was a nice uh, scene for Pruitt Taylor Vince as Otis to really show, you know, he's not just a dumb hick who accidentally shoots kids. You know, he knows what he's looking for. He knows the right materials because he is an EMT, um, which is a nice change from the comics, I think. In the comics, we didn't really get to know him, but he was kind of just a dumb hick who shoots kids accidentally. So they find the materials they need. They exit the door and they find that they are now surrounded again. And so they have to run as fast as they can. And this is where the whole no, 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 no thing comes in. Because every time they turn another corner, there's more zombies there. And they're quickly cornered and they have to take refuge inside the school. They chain themselves inside and they are surrounded by walkers as we cut to black. Now, let me ask you guys this. Are they... Are they stuck in kind of an uh, outer door situation? Like, can they? It, it's almost to me. It came off like they were trapped in a phone booth. Like whatever they ran into didn't have a further. Like they couldn't go further into the building. Well, you remember the the double doors in the um, yeah yeah that it wasn't a mall, but the the shopping center they were in in season one. Right. It kind of reminded me of that. That's what I meant by outer door, which is totally the wrong phrase, but almost like an alcove or something like. So they're not, they can't now go deeper into this building. They're kind of stuck out there to just be looked at and <laughs> as all the zombies grab onto the uh, the gate that closed pretty much, right? I mean. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. 
I mean, but there could be people in, I mean, Grant and I were just kind of speculating for next episode, but there could be people inside who might help them. Um, this could be, you know, when Glenn, Daryl finally get to, and T, well, Tito's not going to be much help in his current state, but when they finally get to the farm, maybe they're immediately dispatched to help find them. Um, this could be a, a chance for some of Herschel's other kids who we only see briefly to shine. Uh, I don't think we got names for most of them, or if, or if we did, it wasn't wasn't for very long. So maybe this will be a chance for them to go do something and try to save them. I mean, Rick's certainly no no position to do that. Yeah, it's an interesting spot the way they're uh, trapped right now. And I mean, you got to figure that many zombies pushing on that gate with that little bolt jiggling in the lock there. <laughs> You know, how long can it hold out? You think uh, Otis makes it home? Do I think Otis makes it home? I, you know what? I'm going to say yes because I think Shane makes it home, and I can't really think of too many ways in that situation that one would make it and not the other. Well, I'd say Shane's a bit more spry than Otis, to put I it did lightly. tweet rule number one, cardio. <laughs> because there were a number of scenes where poor Otis was uh, in bad shape running there. Although they also gave him, like, more bags than Shane, too. Like, he's trying to carry around a good 200 pounds in equipment. <laughs> that was his stomach. I want to go <laughs> back to, to the actor. I know, you know. Pruitt Taylor Vince? Or? Yeah, he, um, <clears throat> this I guy. I, that's his name, by the way, because it it's is. not on IMD. Pruitt, Pruitt Taylor Vince, yeah. Uh, I know him as, uh, do you remember that show, Murder One, that came on 10, 15 years ago? Anthony LaPaglia was was in it. It was one story. The first season of Murder One was actually one case that lasted the entire season long. And uh, he played uh, a guy named Clifford Banks, who was a serial killer. Anyway, that's where I got to know this guy. Um, but if you look at uh, Vince's eyes, at, you notice how they just vibrate back and forth? You guys ever noticed this about this guy? I didn't, no. but I know I'll look for it now. Um, <clears throat> trying to remember what other things he's been on. He has. Like a, he was in the movie Constantine. He was a Natural Born Killers monster. Any Any time you see him, uh, you'll if you look at his eyes, they they vibrate back and forth, side to side, left to right, really quickly. He has this condition called nystagmus, and basically, it's just these the person's eyes they move. Involuntarily, they move on their own, and it it really adds a lot to any role that this guy plays. It's it's off putting at first when you look when you watch him. Um, search for videos of him in other things and and watch his eyes. It's really uh creepy, but I didn't find Otis to be creepy. Um, if I remember him from the comic. He he came across as a little creepy to me in the comic, um, but I think Vince did a really good job uh, making. He was almost likable. I found Otis likable in this episode. Yeah, it was an accident. He shot a kid, but anyway, the the whole bit with his eyes really adds a whole dimension to his acting. So uh, next episode when when it comes on. Check it out. Check his eyes out. They just—it's subtle, and if it's a close-up, you can really see it. But it just adds this whole layer to his acting. It's really bizarre and neat at the same time. I will definitely keep an eye out for that. No, no pun intended. <laughs> so, um, what do we think? Anybody want to jump in with a Buster? Rating? I'm gonna, I'm going to give this one a low, a low Buster. Because, like I said already, I, I found the, the hysterics and the melodramatics to be a little off-putting. Um, yeah, I'm not in a zombie apocalypse, so I don't know really how I'd act in that situation. But, And I realize this is a drama show first, before a zombie show. It's a human relations show. But, like I said, the, the Rick Shane scenes really kind of put me off. Um, I th There wasn't enough zombie action for me. Maybe I'm being selfish, but uh, I'm I'm gonna give this one like 
two stars. It's one of my least favorite episodes of the whole show so far. Two busters. I will go ahead. Um, I like it a bit more than that. I, I'm going to go with three out of five. Um, yeah, I like the zombie action more, but I think they did a pretty good job for not having that many zombies in it for the first half hour. I wasn't, I wasn't bored. I really liked the use of the one zombie that they did have show up from running behind the tree and all that. Uh, I'm liking the Daryl stuff. Uh, I thought T-Dog was very good. I, I'm I'm a little like I said I'm a little bit bored of the Sophia search party at this point, uh, and I really don't like I felt like I should have come out of that flashback leaning one way or the other like all right it's Shane's fault or all right it was really Lori's fault all along, and I'm just not I feel like they're trying to throw these clues out at me but they're just not hitting the mark, uh, but I give it a three busters I still enjoyed the episode quite a bit. The pacing and stuff didn't bother me at all. I'm okay with not, you know, large-scale zombie attacks every scene of the show. And I am excited with Herschel and his family and the farm being introduced. So I'm going to go with three. I'll give it a uh, solid four, honestly. You know, Brad, I kind of agree with you about the melodrama and there not being a lot of zombies. But on the flip side, to me, that's what Walking Dead is, um, especially after rereading Volume 2 this past week. That's really what volume two is. There's not a lot of zombies in that volume at all. And it's much more focused on the interpersonal stuff. And quite honestly, even if it was melodramatic, I thought it was well-written melodrama. So it didn't bother me. So uh, a solid four busters. Going along those lines, I I think last season's um, episodes that dealt more with character and less than zombies were better than this episode, which is why I gave it a two. That's fair. Go ahead, Jim. I, uh, <clears throat> there are things I really liked about this episode. Some of the moments are really great. Like I said before, the, the parts between Dale and, uh, T-Dog were, were great. And, uh, the, the, the walker in the woods, uh, segment we talked about before, uh, Herschel being introduced and the whole family, uh, storyline there that we're going to see play out. It's pretty exciting to me. I wish the, um, I would have liked to have seen more of the end sequence with Shane and Otis. Uh, just so we could have had more of the zombie action like uh, Brad is talking about. I understand what he's saying, uh, but I would give it three and a half busters. All right, so we got a, a pretty decent range from uh, three to four, or actually from, from two to four. Um, do you guys have a feeling, we didn't do this last show, and I really didn't have a strong feeling, and I don't think I do now. Any predictions or uh, you know any feelings about where this is headed? Um, you know, comic knowledge aside. Yeah, I definitely sent you guys my prediction for the next couple seasons based on a comic spoiler, so we can't get into that. Um, I mean, I, I have a feeling we'll be at the farm for most of this season, or at least for this first pod up before Christmas. Um, after that, I, I doubt we get to the next major set piece from the books this season, although maybe right at the end. So I'll be interested to see what they're what they're doing for that second pod, for sure. Was the... Was the farm the second major location in the comics? Um, I don't remember if the if uh, Wilshire Estates was right before or right after, but it's in the same volume. And then the next major set piece that we all know shows up in the last page or the last two pages okay. Okay. of volume two. I couldn't remember if that location was before or after the farm. But now that I'm saying this out loud, yeah, it makes sense that the farm would come first. Yes. Well, and plus, they kind of got the same effect that Wilshire Estates had in the book we got from CDC. Like, it was them finding shelter and then not finding shelter very quickly. So, I mean, I think if, I, I'd be surprised if we actually went to Wilshire Estates in the show. My only prediction is that um, something is... <sighs> Sophia is not just wandering around the woods looking for her mother and everyone else. And it's pretty clear she's not at the farm like a lot of people thought. Yeah, so something is up. She is with someone or I don't think she's dead, but I think she's with some like someone has taken her in or taken her or you know, I just can't see them running into Sophia in the woods anymore. You know what I mean? Um 
So that I guess that's my half-assed prediction that somebody has her. I predict they're going to keep uh, trying to um, make Shane more likable than he was in the comic. Um, they're, I think definitely, I mean, we're obviously, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything, but we definitely see a different uh, uh, version of Shane here. Um, we, a lot of the other characters seem a lot very similar to the comic version, but uh, but Shane, it seems like they're trying to make him like the the second lead, you know, after uh, after Rick. So uh, I think he'll be around. The um, the other prediction I have is that uh, things are not going to end well at the farm. Yeah. <laughs> I predict there's going to be guns and zombies and blood and guts and one-liners and melodrama. <laughs> I don't have any predictions, guys. What's the uh, Rocky Three Mr. T line? When they're like, you have any prediction for the fight? Pain. <laughs> in in this case, though, Jim, it brains. There you go. All right, so let's take a look at uh, the old Twitter. <laughs> All right, so we did some awesome tweeting during the show. Uh, it's crazy how it gets frantic during commercial breaks. Um. I did ask for some Buster reviews when it was over. We got Tiny Rubber Robot. Gives it a 3 out of 5. Not as good as uh, episode 1, but I really enjoyed the flashback. Uh, the rest of the episode seemed a little slow. Someone shoot Lori. Uh, Courtney gives it an intense episode from start to finish. 5 Busters. Liz says, I'll go for Busters. I'm not sold on the beginning flashback, but a good episode overall. Uh, we also have a tweet from uh, Lynn. Ducky is lost, who gave it a four out of five. Great bookend scenes of the zombies hanging at schools then and now. Like what they're doing with Shane. Oh, she likes what they're doing with Shane. That's a different sentence. Uh, so that's interesting. I didn't think of it that way, that they bookended with the school. Yeah, did anyone else think when that shot first came in, because it was out of focus, that it was going to be zombies at the school? Because my first thought was actually that it was the next set piece that we keep hinting about be before we saw that it was a school of kids there. That's interesting. For some reason, I was I was pretty set that it was a flashback. I don't know if I had heard previously or maybe something else tipped me off or... You know, I, I don't know. For some reason, I, I just kind of knew that it wasn't the zombie apocalypse. It was a flashback. Anybody get fooled on that one, Bradley? I didn't think that hard about it. I just watched it. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, Zero Fights, Alan, who we've heard from before, said probably the worst episode ever. See, uh, I'm glad so somebody slow. else was kind of kind of along that line. You're going to love this, Brad. Uh, so slow, so boring, overly dramatic, and I don't really care about the plot. <laughs> so that that's uh, that's not a good review. At least I know I'm not completely alone in my in my feelings. You are not completely alone. Uh, I want to read some. Courtney sent us a bunch of comments. She said she was sorry that she couldn't call in. Uh, she wanted to say she enjoyed. Uh, it a bit more than the premiere. She said Shane and Rick were great. So there's someone who actually has the opposite uh, feeling of you, Brad. Um, she's not feeling hateful feelings for Shane anymore, maybe because he's no longer making on his friend's wife. That's that's a good reason. Uh, so we thank Courtney for all of her comments. I just want to run quickly to the Facebook because we have our wonderful Facebook group as well. Check it out. The Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group. Um, Mike says, uh, the repeated he needs blood in Hick dialect was laughable. I also thought it was Michonne who rode up on that horse to save us, and I felt stupid when I saw who it was. I, that's a, the, the part that I was referring to earlier about the he needs blood. Did anybody else catch that? I, I didn't, it didn't strike me as bad or overdone. Maybe I didn't hear it every time that they did it. It didn't come mm -hmm. off as repeated. For me, me neither, but a lot of people comp were complaining about it all over the place, so it, it obviously struck a chord negatively with a lot of people. I did so, notice the frequency with which they were talking about needing blood, but I didn't... Well, he needed any, a lot of blood. Yeah, I didn't have any issue with it. 
The only thing that kind of bothered me in this episode is that they directly referenced the Cherokee or the, the car brand. Do you remember that? Go over to Shane's Wagoneer and see if he has blah, blah, blah. Oh. <laughs> John, do you know um, do you know your kid's blood types right off the top of your head? No. I don't know mine either. A cop might, though. That might be just a cop thing. Yeah, it might. Because I know mine. But... You might want to do that before the zombie apocalypse, guys. Note to self. Check blood type of children. Period. Learn kids birthdays. Okay. Um, hey, I have a trivia question for you guys. Do it. Which cast member of The Walking Dead was in a Marvel superhero movie in the last six years? Five or six years. No Googling, Jordan. I'm not Googling. My hands are in different places. That was weird. <laughs> Hand check. Um, Anybody? In the last six years, so we're talking what, like... Uh, Chandler Riggs movie? played the Hulk. I know the guy from Modern Family was in the Incredible Hulk. I do not know. I give up, is what I'm saying. Tell us. Laurie Holden was in the first Fantastic Four movie. Oh, you're going back that far. <clears throat> she was... Uh, her name was Debbie. She was... Of course, Debbie! She was, what a memorable <laughs> character. Who could forget Debbie she was, and, she her was, and Debbie and her Debbiness? She was a bit of a downer. She was. <laughs> wah, wah. She, she was. Uh, she was Ben Grimm's wife or girlfriend. You know when he came back and he was all thingified in his trench coat and. Yeah, that was believable. Yeah, she came out to see him in her robe and she freaked out and whatnot. That was her. That was Laurie Holden. Yeah, I try never to think about that movie. Thanks a lot, Brad. That movie was not as bad as you people make it out to be. Wait a minute. Yes, it was. The first one was. The second one was good. I like the second one. Uh, I don't know if I ever saw the second one in full. It's better than the because first one. Because I saw one. the first one. It's better than the first one. I don't know how it could be worse. Hey, All right. Laurie Holden in a nighty. What, what else do you want? It's Laurie, it's Laurie, it's Laurie Holden so in a nighty. The other point of this discussion was like five minutes ago, right? It's Laurie Holden in a nighty, people. Give me a screenshot. <laughs> okay. Pixar didn't happen. Liz uh, also embellished on uh, her Twitter comment here a little bit. She, she, she goes with four busters. Did not particularly enjoy the opening flashback, but I get that. I get that hour was used to. Okay. She's having typing phone issues or whatever, but she gives it four. Uh, Than says, I thought it was a good episode. Four busters for me. Find myself holding my breath uh, a few times during this episode. Anna said the opening flashback sucked, but overall it was a great episode. See the conflict building and the group dynamic changing. So much tension. Can't wait to see how it unfolds. Uh, Mary really, really liked this episode. She gave it a 4.1. Love the acting by Rick Shane, Herschel, and T-Dog. And Brandy, who's another... uh, returning fan of ours, says she had no complaints about this episode. In fact, she enjoyed it more than the previous one. Seems like they're really giving Shane the chance to prove he is, he isn't a complete douche. She thinks this deserves a 4.6 busters at the very least. So pretty positive again, I would say. It's amazing uh, how get... wrong mo- a lot of people can be, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I tend to agree with you. Not maybe in this instance, but generally I do agree with you. Um, you know, besides Brad and Alan, I think most of the comments are, are pretty positive. I would say maybe not as good as the premiere, uh, in general, but pretty positive still. And do we have ratings on this yet, Jordan? I have not seen ratings come out. Um, usually I see them pretty much as soon as they are out. So I'm going to, I'm going to guess that they haven't released them yet, unless anybody knows differently. Quick prediction before we wrap up, uh, up from the premiere or down? I think slightly down, but that was those numbers were super strong for the premiere. So we'll, we'll see. I'm gonna say up. I'm gonna say up on word of mouth and buzz in general after the after the premiere. I wasn't here to talk about the premiere. I thought it was a little long, so I would say uh, you know pretty much staying the course. You know, um, you know, flatline, not up or down. How many 
How many busters would you give that premiere, Jim? I think like three, three and a half, like right in there. I, it, it had some really good moments, some really nice tense moments, but there were a few moments that I just didn't, uh, I didn't enjoy. So, and we should we should mention uh, Russell really wanted to be here again tonight, but duty calls. Russell shall return. Before we wrap this up, just a couple more things. Uh, Jess Madigan. Madigan? I think that's right, but I am the worst name pronouncer ever. She guessed correctly that uh, Daryl would get the first kill. I say shame on every Dixon's Dixon that guessed somebody else, and you know who you are. Uh, and we are going to send Jess one of the Walking Dead action figures. I have not decided which one yet because I have not decided which one I am keeping. But uh, we're going to get hey, that wait out. wait a second. That doesn't... I guess I shouldn't say anything. I got one. Yeah. Uh, we're going to send that right out. Congratulations. And listen, we're gonna. I'm going to do that in the Twitter. I'm going to do that in the Facebook group. So uh, you got to be in it to win it. So join those groups and uh and get in on the action and lastly we want to remind everybody that we have really cool new york comic-con stuff up on our website you can go to walkingdeadtv.com you can go to hhwlod.com check out the avengers panel uh in full video and audio however you choose the walking dead panel of course Full video or audio on one of our previous shows, however you like it, whatever's more convenient. Uh, and on our YouTube channel has them all as well. If you search Walking Dead TV on YouTube or HHWLOD on YouTube, you can find all our good stuff there. And we have more to come. Lots of New York Comic Con stuff to come. If I may interject really quickly, I know a lot of people are new listening, uh, new listeners, and I wanted to let them know that we have a whole network of podcasts that we're a part of at hhwlod.com or legionofdudes.com. Um, we have uh, podcasts that cover movies, comic books, uh, television, all kinds of uh, great stuff. Uh, so check out all that content there. If you're new to this podcast, uh, you might like some of those as well. So if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 516-468-7912. We'd love to play them on upcoming shows as we talk about the episodes. We generally record our reaction episodes the Monday after they air. So you have 24 hours to get those voicemails in to 516-468-7912. And you might just hear them on the show. Or you can send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Like Jim said, check out Half Hour Wasted on Mondays and Legion of Dudes on Thursdays. And Out Now with Aaron and Abe, I believe, every Friday. And that's our new weekly new release movie show hosted by Aaron and Abe. And, and of course, keep an eye, I'm sorry, real quick, just keep an eye out. Like John said, we have a lot of New York Comic-Con content that's going to be up in the next uh, week or so. Uh, you don't want to miss that. we got some great interviews, some really cool uh, guests and audio, so check that out. Yeah, definitely. And don't forget, we have Facebook groups for Legion of Dudes, Half Hour Wasted, Walking Dead TV, Media, Media Minutes, and Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find all of those on Facebook just by searching for the appropriate name. And you can follow us on Twitter, at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room in Hell of the Dead Walk the Earth, remember, guys, learn your kids' blood types and birthdays. Have a good week. Good night. And always have some cold OJ. Don't forget your towel. Dunzo. There lived a man so long ago His memories but faint Was not admired Did not inspire Like president or saint but people came from far and near with their afflicted pets for a special cure. They knew for sure wouldn't come from other vets. Some would stand in silence while some just scratched their scalps for the curious ways of the yodeling veterinarian of the Alps. Nobody hey, wants to say hi. Oh, yeah. I was waiting. I was waiting for my moment. And he makes them take some ibuprofen for the. F I and he makes them take some ibuprofen for the. F Blah, blah, blah. That that tree comes into frame from the left and it's moving to the right and just as it gets like to the Ooh, right, Brad. Of, I'm here. You here? I'm here. I lost him. I'm here. I lost him too. Hello. Seriously. Do, 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 do. Some of the other stuff that's come out recently better than it, but I, I I like it a lot though. I'm here. You're back. Yeah, it was weird. I could hear you guys. <clears throat> I was just talking, and I heard you guys going, do we lose Brad? And I'm like, no, I'm here. Hello.
Um, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, I'm just gonna start over. Do you remember what you were saying? Did I fool you with my trick question? Did we lose Jordan? I don't hear Jordan. Jordan. Young Jordan. We have to have Jordan. He has to do the remember when your feet are cold and your hair is <laughs> always. No, wait. Can you hear Never. me now? Yes, can you hear me now. 